$19.4 million. No, that isn't the financial contract for the next great NFL player. I'm talking about streaming shows and movies. Last year, Americans came close to watching 20 million minutes worth of content. How the world has changed. The Nielsen ratings are out, and streaming is king. Whether Netflix, Disney+, or Hulu, streaming was up 27% over 2021. Netflix alone released over 1,000 TV episodes in the third quarter of 2022. But it wasn't just new content. The sitcom Seinfeld went off the air in 1998. But the show about nothing was watched for 19 billion minutes last year. July marked the first time when more people watched streaming services than cable TV. And we probably aren't going back. With all these minutes spent watching streaming services, maybe we can ask the hard question. How many minutes do we spend praying to our Heavenly Father? He will listen if we pray. Welcome to Haven Today. Here it is Friday. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus and we're wrapping up a series called, I Pray the Lord, Their Soul to Keep. We've been talking about the importance of prayer, especially for parents with children to be praying for their young ones. But it's also important for us older parents to keep praying for our children as they enter into adulthood. Janet and I had a couple of prodigals for a season. It hurts, it's hard, but we kept taking them every day to the Lord begging him to work in their hearts and to bring them home. And the Lord heard our prayers. One son is with the Lord now, but our younger son is now a minister of the gospel, a father of two of the best grandkids in the world, and our precious daughter-in-law. In a moment, we're going to think more about praying for our older kids. It's the number one request we get here at Haven today. Please pray the Lord saves my adult child. So we're going to share some encouraging words and meet up again with Melissa Kruger. She wrote this book, Five Things to Pray for Your Kids. And speaking of this book, we have a young mom in our office. Her name is Madison. And she heard about this book this week and picked up a copy for herself. Madison didn't grow up as a Christian. She became a Christian as an adult. And so this little profound but simple book has really helped her start praying for her little boy. Uh, and your son's name is Braden. I don't think he's quite two yet, is he, Madison? He's only one. He's only one, but he's walking around. He's not talking like a two-year-old. I know that. So, <laughs> all right, tell me what you're getting out of this book. Just share that with us. Um, I like it because, first, it's not a giant book. I don't really have a lot of time to be reading through chapters. It's short and a tool that I can use mm. um, fast if I need to. But I like how she even started it, like saying that it's it, like having prayer in your family as you grow up makes it seem like just another language you know. And since I didn't have that, it was really like a foreign language. And learning a foreign language as an adult is hard. And so I didn't really know where to start. I'm the only person in my family that's a believer. So I, it helps me not only to pray for my son, but also to like lead an example with my husband and my son. And it helps me to know like what areas to really pray about instead of just praying for like his safety and his health. Mm. Thank you for sharing with us. That, that's important. And I know there's a lot of people listening today 
uh, that need to hear uh, what you shared with us. Bless you, Madison. Thank you. (laughs) I'd like to send you this short but sweet prayer guide called Five Things to Pray for Your Kids, a book filled with scripture and prayer prompts that will help you daily pray for the children in your life. And it's easy to use over and over again. So, for your gift to the ministry, I want to send you and get it out the door right away, five things to pray for your kids. You just need to call us as soon as this program is over at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Or take an extra minute to go online and watch the video we put up with Melissa Kruger. Read the sample chapter there on our website. And then you can make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And now, let's get this program going. Here on a Friday as the week is ending, let's open with a song by Matt Mayer. I've carried a burden For too long on my own I wasn't created To bear it alone I hear your invitation To let it all go I see it now I'm laying it down I know that I need you I've brought to the Father Son for redemption, the price for my heart. I don't have a context for that kind of love. I don't understand, I can't comprehend. All I know is I need you. I brought to
called Run to the Father, a prodigal song by Matt Mayer here on A Haven Today. I pray the Lord their soul to keep. I'm Charles Morris. Going home. Journey stories are so very human. From ancient tales like Homer's The Odyssey, all the way to modern day films like Tom Hanks' Castaway. These stories speak to each of us and draw out our own longing for home. It's something we have felt in our bones since the very first family was exiled out of the Garden of Eden. We were made for the Lord, for paradise. And ever since the Garden, we've longed to be home. We all just want to go home to be somewhere we belong, somewhere we are accepted. And it hurts deeply when we see our children walk away from home. Now, not just when they move out. I'm talking about walking away from the faith. That's what really hurts. What can we do other than pray for them? I talked to Melissa Kruger about this, and here's what she told me. I think of that image of the persistent widow who kept knocking on the door to get mm-hmm. you know, the bread, and, mm-hmm. and, and God gives this wonderful wonderful word saying, you know, she's asking for bread and, and you know, don't you think I, as your father, I'm going to give you something better. And so I do think we have this beautiful call to be persistent. Um, we know when we are asking for the Lord to save our children, we are asking for a good thing. And I think we can keep knocking and knocking and knocking again and again and begging the Lord to save them. I mean, that will be um, the prayer I will, I prayed this morning and I will pray all my life, is that he will keep them and that they would walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of mm. Jesus Christ. Mm. That he, mm. Yeah, because we're watching our kids and many kids go astray at 40 or at 50 or at 60. So, you know, I mean, the, the honest reality is what I'm praying for is that they would spend their life walking with Jesus and that he mm. would hold them fast. And I think we, we pray that if our kids are walking with him today, we still should be on our knees praying with everything we have. And if they're not walking with the Lord, we should be on our knees praying with everything we have, that he He would draw them to himself. Thanks so much, Melissa, for joining us again on this program. I pray the Lord their soul to keep. As I've already said, it hurts when our children walk away. We pray just like the father in the parable Jesus told. And of course, I'm speaking of Luke 15, the story of the prodigal sons. Yes, I said sons plural. Both boys in this all-too-famous story were lost. Both were in need of a proper homecoming, and only one ended up coming home. But before we get there, we need to understand what Dr. Luke was telling us in chapter 15. The entire chapter is full of the lost being found. It starts there in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Now to those of us familiar with this gospel story, this might not sound very spectacular. Of course, sinners and tax collectors were coming to Jesus. Isn't that what the gospel is all about? But we must take a step back here. We need to think about it from a different perspective. Sinners is a big category, one that each of us falls into. But that word sinners didn't just refer to people who had sinned in their life, but to people living in sin. It referred to people who may have grown up going to synagogue or the temple, people who grew up learning their Hebrew scriptures, but eventually turning away from the Hebrew Bible. Sinners 
was a way to talk about a prodigal. And when you spoke of sinners, that was a painful category. Some of us, maybe many of us, know the pain of a prodigal. In my own family, we had prodigal sons. The pain of watching them live their lives in ways you know aren't good for them. The pain of watching them reject the faith they knew growing up. I can recall the prayers we prayed to the Lord day after day that he would bring them back. I was a prodigal myself for a season in my 20s after being raised as a believer. I truly believe I was born again, but at some point in my early adult life, I walked away. And it wasn't until I almost ended my 20s that the Lord brought me back. He came after me. I was a sinner, but eventually found myself gathering around to hear Jesus once again. So sinners is a painful category to me. But tax collectors back then was considered even worse. In many cases, tax collectors were Jewish men who pledged allegiance to Rome, the occupying power in Israel at the time. They went around collecting taxes from their Jewish kinfolk. They were seen as traitors, not only to the nation of Israel, but to the Lord. They had defected. They were unworthy. Zacchaeus in Luke 19 was a tax collector, and my people hated him. But it's these two groups of people that we find coming to the Lord at the beginning of Luke 15, the tuning fork of the entire chapter. It is only the sinners and the tax collectors who come. The religious, the so-called righteous, they stand off at a distance, highly criticizing, highly critical. But they don't come. Jesus told a parable about a hundred sheep. 99 of which were exactly where they should be. It's that one, the lost one, the prodigal sheep that the shepherd went out to find. And how he rejoiced when he found that one. Out of 10 silver coins, it is the one that was lost that the woman rejoices over, not the nine that she had in her hand before. These parables that Jesus shared on his way to the great parable of the prodigal sons shows us something about the heart of our Lord. He loves to find and save the lost. He rejoices when the lost come home, when sinners and tax collectors flock to hear him and to hear his words of grace and mercy. The Lord rejoiced. He welcomed them home, even if it meant the religious would get mad at him. And to put an even stronger point on it, Jesus told this story the story of the prodigals. Now, I called it the parable of the prodigal sons a moment ago because just like the opening lines of Luke 15, this story shows us two ways to be lost. There's the first way, the obvious way, rejecting the father, running away, spending one's life and resources on things that ultimately end in destruction and desperation. That younger brother was a picture of outright rebellion, rebellion that was so painful. But there's another way to be lost, a more subtle way. Call it a religious way. And that was the older brother. He followed all his father's commands. He did his chores on time. He never talked back. He was the 
perfect son, except for one thing. He doesn't do all this because he loves his father. He does it because he expects his father to pay him back one day. The older brother was living his life as a transaction. If I do my part, my dad will do his. And how many of us have lived like that? We imagine our Heavenly Father morning by morning with his hand out asking us, What have you done for me lately? We imagine the Lord with a ledger keeping track of our good deeds, making notes of all the bad deeds, and we think if we can just work hard enough and obey well enough or show enough devotion, then he's going to reward us with heavenly blessings when the time comes. Now, isn't that why the older brother was so upset when his younger rebellious brother finally came home? The older brother was angry. The younger brother didn't earn it. In fact, he wasted his life and his inheritance only to come back and receive more? How is that fair? And it's here that we see a real difference between these two brothers. The younger brother left, but after he had squandered all his inheritance and was reduced to eating slop with the pigs, he remembered his father. The love of his father followed him all the way to that point. He remembered And that love drew him back home. And that's how any of us come back to the Lord. We remember his love, a love that comes after us, and love that runs to us when it sees us from a distance. It's a love that dies for us. It's a love that brings us home. And the older brother had no concept of that. He did not realize that the father already loved him that everything the father owned already belonged to him. He was determined to earn what he received. And if we make that same choice, we will end our lives just as miserable as that older brother. When we hear and see sinners and tax collectors rejoicing, making gladness in the generous love of the father, rejoicing in the love of Christ who lived and died for them, we too, can then rejoice. Our only hope is to remember the love of our Heavenly Father. His love follows us, whether we rebel like the younger or we try to earn like the older. His love is what frees us and welcomes us into His joyful presence. We can't earn it, and we also can't lose it. His love is set upon us if we are believers in Jesus Christ, So just like the sinners and the tax collectors, we too must come. And we pray for our children that they would come home, that they would return, to gather around Jesus, to hear words of life from him. We must stop trying to earn our keep and rest in the reality that we have been loved already. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found Was blind, but now 
The most famous song sung as a hymn in the English language, and it was first sung 250 years ago this month. Chris Tomlin's version of Amazing Grace with that special bridge, My Chains Are Gone. And I'm so thankful we were able to have Melissa Kruger on the program all week, as well as all the moms and dads who shared about the importance of praying for the children in their lives. They've all reminded me to keep praying for my adult kids, but also my grandkids. So let me challenge you to start praying for the kids that are around you in your life. They really need it. And that's why Melissa Kruger wrote this unique book that we have for your gift called Five Things to Pray for Your Kids. And to help you better understand what it's all about, I asked Melissa to just take a minute and tell us what the book is all about. Well, Five Things to Pray for Your Kids is really just a book to help you pray. It's not a book so much on the topic of prayer, but it walks you through different passages of scripture and helps you pull out themes to pray for your child. And so what I love about it is it's really small. It can fit in most women's purses, and it doesn't even have to be a big purse. Um, it, can, it can't probably fit in a, in a man's wallet, but it's tiny. It can go with you everywhere. And what I love about that is I can take it to the places in my day where I'm kind of sitting and waiting, and I can just open it up, and I can use it to help me pray scripture for my kids. And so that's what I love about it, and I use it myself, and I hope it will encourage other people to just pray big scripture-filled prayers for their kids. I want to send you Five Things to Pray for Your Kids by Melissa Kruger right away for your gift to the ministry. Would you call us right now as this weekend begins? But don't delay, you might forget. The number's 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. 
Haven. Or take a look at this sample chapter and see for yourself how easy this book is to use. Then you can make your gift at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Have a great weekend, a Christ-filled weekend. And then come back again on Monday when again together we'll be sharing the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Trouble. Sometimes it seems like life is nothing but trouble, doesn't it? Work is hard. Family life can be challenging. And stress, stress, stress. Adulthood is 90% stress, it seems. And of course, what often follows when hard times come? Temptation. Peter describes Satan as a roaring lion seeking his next meal. But we have Jesus. He told us to pray like this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And you know, we can be confident that our God is powerful and loving enough to give us a way of escape, and he will deliver us from the evil one. If not today, then on the final day, when temptation and sin will be completely defeated. Get more daily encouragement with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.